My name is Jenny Hinchcliffe, and this is Senders Receive, a podcast about mail, art, and the people who make it happen. Broadcasting from beautiful San Francisco while bringing you stories and experiences of postal moderns and mail art mavens. Let's go ahead and bring on the show. Welcome, Senders Receive listeners. Today, I'm sitting down with artist Sass Colby, which I am super excited about. Sass Colby is a respected mixed-media artist with a history of creating and sending mail art. She's been making, exhibiting, and teaching art for more than 50 years, and is well known for her non-traditional artist books. Her artist stamps, created through the 80s and into the 90s, are considered some of the best and earliest examples of the genre. Sass has exhibited widely across the U.S. and Europe. Her work is included in archives such as the National Museum of Women in the Arts, the Jean Brown Archive of the Getty Research Institute, and the Oakland Museum of California. Last year, her early work in photographic artist stamps was acquired by SFMOMA for their permanent collection. Although presently retired from teaching, for 22 years, Sass's Studio in the Sky workshops taught creative processes in Taos, New Mexico, and Mallorca, Spain. Welcome, Sass. Thank you, Jenny. This is great. Well, I'm so excited to have you here today. I have been looking forward to sitting down and talking with you for a while now. Well, who doesn't like to talk about their work? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to. <laughs> So, you know, you've been making artist books and sending mail since the 70s. So can you tell Senders Receive listeners a little bit about your involvement in the mail art scene specifically and and what that was like in the 70s and 80s? Yes, I'd love to. But I'm going to start earlier than that. I mean, I'm going I'm going to go back to my childhood in Massachusetts, uh, where at the age of 13, I had 16 pen pals um, all around the world. And these were people that I wrote to and who wrote to me regularly. Mm-hmm. So I've been involved mm-hmm. in correspondence and have been sort of living the life of a correspondent since I was, I don't know, 10. Yeah. And um, at the time, there was a, something called the International Friendship League, I think. Mm-hmm. Boston, and they would give you the names of people uh, in other countries who wanted to write letters. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, I had pen pals from Japan to Hawaii to um, Norway to England, Bermuda. I still am in touch with my Bermuda pen pal. Really? From those days. As a matter of fact, we actually met. And she's on Facebook, so I see her on Facebook. <laughs> the others, I'm, unfortunately, have all fallen away. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that age, you know, I was already enchanted with postage stamps yeah. and yeah. and the world and how the world was represented and how you could get the world to come to you by writing a letter. Yeah. And you could yeah. get a letter back. And it was, I think, a need and a curiosity about the world mm-hmm. that got mm-hmm. me going on letter writing. Also, I've got planets in Mercury or something, and that is those are people who are um, like to communicate. Yeah. 
So, so that is, you know, my early history in communication, and I've always wanted to, like, write newsletters, mm-hmm. write letters. I, I guess I'm just a busybody. I want, I want people to know what I'm doing, and I want to know what they're doing. <laughs> did you collect stamps as a little kid? I did. I did. I oh, had a stamp yeah. collection. I love stamps. Yeah. I love the perforated edge. Mm-hmm. I love the mm-hmm. tiny engraved image. Yeah. And, of yeah. course, as as I got older, I learned a, about the sophisticated sort of politics that are distributed uh, yes. on stamps. Yes. And yes. Um, then, um, as a younger woman, I was living in Connecticut, and uh, they had a lot of fluxes and data events in New York at the time. Mm-hmm. I never went to any of those, but I was very aware of them. Mm-hmm. In 1975, mm-hmm. I moved here to Berkeley. And... Um, somehow got connected with an international group of people who were doing what we, you know, look back at now um, as early mail art. And uh, Ulysses Carrion was one of those people. He was a Mexican man who lived in uh, Amsterdam. And I met him. He stayed with me in Berkeley. Uh, Just had a very active correspondence life. A lot of it facilitated by Judith Hoffberg, who published the magazine called Umbrella. Mm -hmm. And because Judith herself was such an an energetic uh, liaison for everybody, we were all kind of put in touch with each other, if not through uh, through her announcements of mail art shows. So you could just enter a mail art show, you know. Yeah. And so I yeah. have volumes of catalogs of shows that I've been in. No mm-hmm. record of my work from that thing. Uh, people whose uh, email I've gotten, of course, Anna Banana at, at the time was in the Bay Area. She was part mm-hmm. of it. And, and then all of these people from Europe and Japan, uh, Vito Baroni, mm-hmm. Gabor, Gabor Toth, mm-hmm. he sent from Budapest. I have mm-hmm. some. I have three very treasured uh, emails from him in the seventies. Um, Ruth Rayfeld was from Germany. Uh, Clemente mm-hmm. Padin, he was uh, South yeah. American. Jurgen Olbrook, and he yeah. was a, a German. You know all of these people. And Ginny Lloyd was also someone I knew from here. Oh yeah. And and, and Ginny and actually, I went to Documenta in nineteen eighty one mm-hmm. and saw Ginny there. I actually made a trip in Europe, Germany, Switzerland, France, Amsterdam, through the connections that Judith Hoffberg gave me in Umbrella. So mm-hmm. all of these people, it was kind of like, you know, her Umbrella, you could say, was like Facebook, which is this international network that was available to you. Did you at all participate in Interdada 84 that Ginny was part of? No, and I don't know why I didn't. Oh. I must have known about it. I certainly was yeah. here. But yeah, I yeah. Uh, maybe went to an event or two, but no, I, mm-hmm. I was sort of inside but outside, if you know yeah. what I mean. I'm yeah. in one of Ginny's books, and mm-hmm. I've lost touch mm-hmm. with Ginny, I'm sorry to say. I was very active in mail art from the 70s into the 80s and mm-hmm. collected you know, quite a bit of mail art from all around the world, I guess you would say. And, yeah, um, yeah. and it was uh, thrilling uh, to me. And we also had a big mail art exhibit at the festival at the lake in Oakland, which um, oh. I was a director of art programs for three years there. We did a mail art exhibit there. 
Wow, what was uh, the name of that? I feel like I've never heard about this before. I'll have to look in my... Okay. <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> because, you know, that was a long time ago. We're talking the 80s. I mean, I really I really had to go look up some records to... Uh... <laughs> So, so I'll just, I'll interject and I'll say, okay, senders, receive listeners, if you know anything about that exhibit, Festival of the Lake, what did you say, 80? Well, it actually, there was a mail art exhibit, I was there from 88 to 90, Okay. and there was a mail art exhibit before that, and uh, anyway, it's Festival at the Lake in Oakland, you know, yeah. you know it was a I wonderful know. city festival. And it, I think, I don't know how many years it ran. Um, I, mm-hmm. I worked there for three years, and it was three of the best years of my life when it comes to community art activity and meeting people and uh, being feeling really like part of a, a community through art. Yeah. 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 Um, the 70s and 80s were such a rich time in the Bay Area. There was so much going on, especially with mail art and correspondence and you know Barry Adotto was happening Picasso and Anna were totally doing their thing Patricia Tavner was here I mean did you you run around like with Bay Area Adotto folks did you ever participate like in the banana day parade no I wish I had but no I didn't (laughs) (laughs) well yeah I mean it's so interesting because you know I think mail artists, it's at once very, um, you know, it's like a huge network of people. You can correspond with groups and communities and yet be, like you said, a little bit outside of it and not, you know, it's like some shows you hear about, some shows you don't, some things you participate in, some things you don't. But there were people I remember that we would see regularly. I mean, um, in 1979, a group of artists in Berkeley Susan Wick and Winder Baker and um, Sherry Ma and and I was part of this group. They opened a store on College Avenue in Oakland called the Art Store, Art A A R T. Now uh-huh. this store was um, run by five artists in a block which is now Rockridge, you know, and very uh, uh, popular. Yeah. And evidently the uh, landlord at the time didn't want to get into a long-term lease, but Susan somehow talked him into giving us the store for the last six months of the year. I mean, it was prime real estate, you know. (laughs) And we were right next to La Farine Bakery, where I learned (laughs) to love chocolatines. Anyway, um, in this store, we sold art from $5 to $50. And, you know, anybody could come in and say, I'd like to sell my work, and we would sell it. And um, there was a lot of color Xerox, a lot of uh, postcard production. I remember Mm -hmm. uh, there was an artist named Tom Patrick who who did a terrific uh, satirical magazine. I think it was called Eat It Up. And uh, Mm -hmm. Helen Holt was also a wonderful artist. She's still in Berkeley doing Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. There was a whole group of kind of... um, And then there was wonderful Judy Malloy. She published some very interesting things. And I... I'm sorry, I can't remember the names of them. Um, but these were people, you would see them, you know, at openings all yeah. the time. Patricia Tavener yeah. was yeah. one of them. Same group of people, they would always show up. And um, there was a lot of alternative art activity. Yeah. This was an art that was, that you were going to see in the gallery, you yeah. know. But it had a huge yeah. kind of following and 
can I say? It just rose up. We had a marvelous community, and I don't know what happened to all of that activity. I think economics mm-hmm. changed, and mm-hmm. it became much more difficult to, you know, to have these alternative things that were so generous yeah. when you would think of very generous. And, and, and that store, I probably, we didn't, of course, mail art was not for sale. It was outside of all of this. But it was right. definitely mm-hmm. part of it and, and uh, always, always happening. Uh, and that direct person-to-person, um, the fascination with mail art, that direct person-to-person thing. And then when it got a little more organized, you know, where there would be a call for a call for mail art on a certain theme. Yeah. And the work would come in from all over the world. And mm-hmm. um, the person who organized the show usually kept all the work, sometimes archived it. O'Harley was another... Uh, oh, yeah. male artist yeah. he organized things as well he did beautiful yeah. collages himself yeah. it was just a wonderful kind of a sense of freedom that we had and I suppose it is still there mm-hmm. on some level I mean I still make mm-hmm. male art and, and send it out it seems a, a, a little different mm-hmm. but you know I still mm-hmm. have a small archive of some of the catalogs yeah. some of the really beautifully yeah. produced catalogs yeah, yeah. So then, I guess I guess that would be a good a good segue to talk about two of your early projects, um, fan mail and the peace envelopes project. Can you can you tell us a little bit about how those projects came into being and and what was involved with them? Well, again, you know, when you say, well, what is it you like about correspondence? There's a thing about. Um, the stamps, you know, the miniaturization that, and the fact that this stamp somehow can carry your message anywhere you want it to go. Um, that's totally fascinating, yeah. isn't it? And that it's an international network. That's why yeah. I have to say I was so upset um, when our last bad president interfered with the Postal Service. Uh. Pardon me if you don't want any political stuff in here. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, I was working in textiles in the 70s, and um, I started making these fan letters. And um, they were made, uh, they were fabric envelopes, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they were designed with applique and um, other textile techniques. I would type on the silk Mm -hmm. envelopes type the addresses on them, and inside was a letter um, that wasn't really a fan letter to whoever it was addressed to. Now, I don't remember all the people I sent them to, but I do remember that one went to Louise um, Bourgeois, who was... Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. And who's that other artist who had that... Oh, my gosh. I forgot her name. She she wore a lot of makeup and clangy jewelry. Um... You know, and she made those in Louise Nevelson. Oh, okay. It yeah. was it's Louise Nevelson, not Louise Bourgeois, that I sent her to. And Joan Mondale was the vice president's wife and very yeah. active in the arts world at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who else? I know I sent one to Charles Amakanian, who was on KPFA as a music director, and he introduced me to the whole world of contemporary modern music when I got to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And I sent him a fan mail letter. And I asked all of these people, I must have done about 12 of them, 
if they would please return the envelopes to me so I could exhibit them, and then afterwards would send them back to them. So I did do that. (laughs) Yeah? Did you get all 12 envelopes back? No, some people didn't send them back, but I think I got enough to show them. And I happened, and I did one to my mother, so I have my mother's. Because yeah. my mother meant so much to me, and um, and my a really close friend of mine who died way too early, Susan Boulay, who is a visionary artist, and I have her envelope um, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I made for her, and on it is actually a beautiful drawing that she she did in ink on muslin. These wow. were all textile envelopes that went through the mail. I would sew the stamps on them. Oh, wow, and wow. they yeah, got yeah. canceled. No, Joan Mondale never sent me back her her mm-hmm. envelope. I wonder if she still has. <laughs> I wonder if she's still alive. <laughs> so um, anyway, it was this no- notion of you know with this stamp and and this connection through the post office, you could reach anybody you wanted to in the whole world. Uh, the peace envelopes were a much bigger project and. Um, they were done in the late 80s, in 1987. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 87. Mm-hmm. I got a grant from the Southwest Craft Center in San Antonio. And um, the grant was to go there and do a project which um, I conceived with their paper maker, whose name uh-huh. was Susan McIndolan, to do these peace envelopes uh, made out of handmade paper. Now, Susan, you know, was a, a, a wonderful paper maker, and she helped me with all of this. Mm-hmm. So we made a series of 50 envelopes out of this beautifully textured handmade paper with an embossed place for one of my photo stamps. And we also made for inside of it these wonderful shapes out of very specialized, exquisite paper that that she made. So the shapes were of a human heart, an infant, a leaf, and a peace meditation. And and, um, these were called the peace envelopes. And um, they were shown at a gallery that in San Francisco called 3220 Gallery, Mm -hmm. because it was on Sacramento Street, at 3220 Sacramento Street. And it was called The Peace Envelopes, 45 Love Letters for Peace. And this was the time, um, like all male art is very topical, comes right from the time. That's what makes it so interesting, whatever is the concern at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, this was during the Cold War, and there was a lot of anti-nuclear activity. I mean, we really were afraid we would be blown up. So uh, this gallery... um, lent itself to all kinds of social uh, movements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they gave my peace envelopes a showing. They were addressed to different world leaders, um, thinkers, artists, writers. I got responses from Czech Walesa. He was the president of Poland. I got responses from Cor Zonakino. She was the president of the Philippines. I heard from Yoko Ono. Um, Ugh, wow. You know, yeah. and when I went to do them, I found that, you know, I needed to do hundreds because there were so many wonderful people in the world <laughs> I wanted to receive. Right, right. This really, it was a plea for peace, a plea mm-hmm. for, yeah. look how, how uh, precious life is. 
I, I wanted to do a mailing that was so beautiful it wouldn't be overlooked. And we showed them for a week or two in this gallery, and then I did a mailing of them. And the only press or publicity I ever got was from the People's Daily Mail. Was that the name of it? or the? It was a communist newspaper. <laughs> they were, I can't remember the name of it, but they were the only people who came and wrote an article about the fact that I was sending out these pleas for peace. Yeah. And they came to the post office where I mailed them in South Berkeley. Now, you can imagine this took quite a while to mail because yeah. they were all international, or most of them were international. And mm -hmm. each envelope was designed specifically for its recipient. So if it went to Jen Daoping, the president of China, mm -hmm. it had Chinese themes. And choosing the American postage stamps to put on these envelopes yeah. Yeah. was really interesting because that's when I really understood how political, the, a country's political context is on their postage stamps. Yeah. You know, so I didn't want to offend anybody. I wanted them to see what we cared about, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was the, the purpose of this mail. And it's amazing, too. I mean, you essentially created 100 small individual original works of art yeah actually it was 45 okay. were at were, oh okay. 45 were eventually mailed yeah okay wow over the course of how long would you say well um i, I it took us a week to make the paper <laughs> and, okay. and make it all and then i came back to berkeley mm -hmm. uh, so the paper was made in san antonio and i came back to berkeley and yeah. put it all together it probably took me several months to do that yeah, I would believe And I, I felt like um, you could be aware that the world is very small and that the President of the United States and the General Secretary of the Soviet Union are as close as your mailbox. And the peace envelopes mm -hmm. expressed uh, a kind of universal collection, a connection, and reminding mm -hmm. us of our mutual vulnerability and yeah. also our strength. Yeah. And uh, it was a time when uh, Reagan was president here. The list of the people who got them, I think it included the Minister of Information in Somalia, the President of Costa Rica, it included Joan Baez. And you know, and people I generally admired, including Thich Nhat Hanh, um, <laughs> Coretta Scott King, Deng Xiaoping, the head of state in China. It's, it's interesting to think, too, that the topic is so timely and still so relevant. It is. And so what yeah. I have of this is I have the envelope I mailed to myself. I have um, one other envelope, you know, that actually went through the mail. And yeah. Things yeah. change when they go through the mail and going through the process. Right. You know, you know, as a mail artist yourself, a piece that's been mailed has been, uh, what, baptized in a way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's I how I that. looked at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, because, it, you know, there is a lot of talk about how things go into the postal stream. Yes. So it really is a, a baptism of sorts. <laughs> yeah. My dear friend, uh, John, who later became my husband, uh, gave me the money to make a few 
color Xerox portfolios from the envelopes before I mailed them. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so I have two of those portfolios. I, I did do some photo documentation, but I, it's, I don't think it's very good. And mm -hmm. I never digitized it. So that's mm -hmm. what I have left from this project. And that's what I, I looked up the press release and things like that so that I could talk about it. Um, yeah. Because it's been so long ago, but uh, as you say, it's still topical. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned that part of the Peace Envelopes project, there's, there was an emboss for the stamps to go into the you know, upper right-hand corner. And so that sort of takes us into the nice zone of talking about artist stamps. And so I... I I mean, I'm a huge fan of your artist stamps. Um, and for, you know, listeners who may not know, in the early 80s, you were an artist stamp pioneer. I mean, hands down. And you utilized both new at the time technology and old technology to create those early stamp sheets. And so, you know, how did you become interested in making artist stamps? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about, you know, as a kid and collecting stamps, but you know, what draw, drew you to the format of artist stamps and, and how did you find out information about that technology that went into creating the sheets? I think this whole thing, it, it, you know, I've had this affinity for the alternative ways of doing things. You know, there are ways of doing things that are, are learned and traditional, but I always seem to go for some funky thing that I just sort of figured out myself or stumbled upon. So what did I stumble upon? I stumbled upon an ad for put your face on a stamp, you know, in the back of a magazine. Now, what magazine was this? I have no idea. So this would have been in the 80s, in the early 80s. And so it's one of those novelty things, you know. Just like, you know, you could see Learn to Draw on a magical cover. <laughs> Yes. Well, this is the same kind of thing. Put your face on a stamp. So, of course, I'm going to put my face on a stamp. I mean, I will admit, I'm vain. I like my face. I put it on everything. So, <laughs> Why not? So I sent away a picture and got my face on a stamp. Well, who did I send it to? Well, I, this guy in Florida was making these stamps. And so I sent him a few pictures, and he put them on stamps. And what did he use? He worked with a lab. He lived in Deerfield Beach, Florida. Okay. And I can't okay. remember his name, to tell you, which I feel bad about that. And he he worked with a lab. I think it, it I don't know what it was called, actually, that had a cluster lens. So whatever image you sent, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it made... A grid of 25 images, five across and five down. So he would print a grid of 25 pictures on photo paper, or the lab would, and then he'd get them. For, so he had to pay the lab to do this part of it. Mm -hmm. Then he would take them home. He had this funky setup of, a, of the way he, he gummed and perforated those sheets of stamps. And he had that very old-fashioned kind of perforating machine, you know, that weighs like a ton, that yeah. is uh, like cast iron, and it's you stand up and you press a pedal for each. So that he did that, 
by hand on each of those sheets. So an order from him included four sheets of stamps. So you've got a hundred stamps. Wow. So I started doing this for myself. And then I got the idea, I could do this for other people. So I built in a little extra money and I became the middle uh -huh. person and I started my own mail order business, doing it for other people. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, in my files, probably I've got old order forms and I could tell you how much they were, but I, I haven't, I don't have that handy. Um, the first company I called Viewfinder, which I thought was such a great name, but somebody wrote to me and said, hey, I already have that name. You have to, don't use it anymore. So then I changed the name of my company to Double Image. But really, it was way more than Double Image because, you know, you got a lot of images. So I started making these stamps for other people. And I did this from like 1982 to, 1980, to 1990, I think. At that point, I moved to New Mexico and I, I sold my my tiny little business to to a, a couple in Berkeley and I don't know what happened to it you know after that I never sort of heard about that what happened to it I'm thinking of the man in Florida who would get these orders and then he would be hand you know like individually perforating each shape like exactly <laughs> I how many how many clients. Clients you know and I of course had. got very connected to him because not only yeah. for did I put over 50 of my own photographs and collages on stamps, I was doing it for so many other people. Now, yeah. a lot of them yeah. were artists who would order from me, but a lot of them were just families who wanted a picture of their family on the stamp, oh. you know? Yeah. And um, so I actually went down there and met him. And uh, I should remember his name and all of that, but I would have to look in the file to tell you the truth. And he yeah, was very yeah. old at the time, yeah. so uh, he I'm sure he was retired, and he had a uh, like a yeah. storage space where he did the gumming and the perforating. Oh, wow. He must have hand-applied the gum to the paper sheets and everything. He showed me how he did it, and I don't remember. Wow. And wow. Um, so I used that those stamps... Some of the images I put on them were mm -hmm. taken with a 1939 mm -hmm. Brownie camera that was my alternative photography thing at the time. And it was mm -hmm. a wonderful old camera, and everything I took looked like it was taken in, like, 1940. Um, be because the camera just did that with the vignetted images and things like that. And when I went to Europe in 1980 one or two that was the only camera i brought with me um, really yeah it was the brownie camera i took 40 rolls of film with this brownie camera so and that was the year i went to documenta for the first time okay uh, which was quite okay. thrilling because that's when i connected with a lot of male artists and you know stayed with ulysses yeah. carry on in amsterdam yeah. and met a lot of people through the male art yeah. network doing that yeah. What was it like? What was it like staying with Carrie Own? Did you go to other books and so? Oh, of course. Well, yeah. yes. Well, I'll tell you what it was like. It was like dragging a way too big suitcase up three <laughs> flights 
a very narrow stairs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I didn't know how to travel light because I was traveling with my friend and we didn't know how long we would be traveling. And I had oh, way oh. too big a suitcase. <laughs> well, I could do that a lot better now. <laughs> but he was very generous. Right, right, right. He, he was very generous. And I have a wonderful correspondence from him. Uh, he stayed with me in Berkeley too, and yeah. um, uh, you know, I have uh, just incredible admiration for his thinking and the yeah. work that he did. You know? Absolutely, and the network, his generosity, his sweetness, everything. You know, yeah. so that that is basically the story of photo stamps. Um, what I did was, I love to use it, use them as a kind of language. You know, so yeah. because the images that I chose, you know, had were thematic. Yeah. Like for, yeah. I was very involved in the senses and the role the senses play in art making. Mm. So, mm -hmm. or art viewing, or just how terrific life is living through the senses. So, of course, I had a stamp <laughs> with an ear on it. Yeah. I had a stamp with eyes on it. I yeah. had a stamp with lips on it. And I would combine these stamps to interact with each other, you know, to kind of tell her, make a narrative. Yeah. And, and do that. Yeah. Um, so these are some of your specific, you know, like if you had an artistic lexicon or patterns that you find yourself coming back to, these are some of the ones. Yes. Do you have any other, you know, like shorthand or vocabulary, visual vocabulary things that you use? Yeah, I, I noticed uh, looking through my stamps that I had many with light bulbs and candles. Ooh. So it, it's like a source of light. Oh. And um, yeah. so basically taking a very simple thing, like I have one that's a collage of um, a pile of apples. Mm -hmm. But over it, hmm. the other, the top half of the image is a skull. So it's like life and death. Yeah. Uh, so that dichotomy yeah. is is right there. And for the peace envelopes, this the stamp yeah. was a picture of a dove in a hand, mm -hmm. and it was being held by something. And that's an image that I found in a magazine. So mm -hmm. some of the stamps are appropriated images, you know, um, mm -hmm. just things I found. Yeah. Some of them are my own original photographs, and some of them are um, collages that I made. I used a oh, lot. I was, just going to ask. Yeah, yes. I was just going to ask if you used collage at all in your Yes, and, and the, um, the trick was to design something that was simple enough to be, you know, uh, reduced and miniaturized mm -hmm. that would still yeah. come across. So when I had an exhibition that included the photo stamps, at the photography gallery in London, must have been the late 80s, I made a commemorative stamp, you know, for that exhibit. Mm -hmm. And every year I would try to do a New Year's stamp that had my face on it in some way. Yeah. So, you know, just think if you could just manufacture anything you wanted, you know, you make yeah. your own, like you're your own company, your own country. You're your own right. country. Right. <laughs> make a stamp well, and make a cancellation. So I also made cancellations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you mentioned Harley a little while ago, and 
I mean, that was exactly what he did with Tara Candela, you know. Right, He had his right. own, you know, country and issuing authority and everything. Yes. Yeah. Well, I found I had a cancellation that said, wonderful. <laughs> and then I have another cancellation that says, Sasanova, which is another name somebody gave me. And, oh, I love it. <laughs> and then um, some of the photographs, uh, the actual, so, uh, you know, regular size photographs, not the miniaturized yeah. one, I called myself Serene Surrender. And oh. I dated them. They were, I got one of those rubber stamps, you know, where you could change the date on it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would date them on my birthday, the year that I did it. So oh, they nice. all had yeah. the same birth date, but a different year. So yeah. let's say Serene Surrender. And then I have another one that just says California, USA, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, rubber stamping goes right along with um, artist stamps. Yeah. I mean, who didn't, who didn't have a collection of rubber stamps? That was, <laughs> and I like to yeah. make my own rubber stamps so that I could use my own symbols. With A rabbit became a symbol. The Buddha mm-hmm. became a symbol. These were all things that appeared in my work later, after the 90s. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see how, you know, that visual, um, you know, sort of shorthand evolves, for sure. Yeah, and I, I do think that there's a kind of potency in symbols. And yeah. Everybody doesn't yeah. get it, but, you know, <laughs> you know right. people would say, what are those yeah. ears? <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, the symbols are so personal to the artist who is making the work. So, you know, what came first for you, artist books or mail art? If we're talking about, you know, symbols and creating. Well, the first, my my first artist book I made in 1972. So I would say that came first. And I, I was working in textiles. And I made that book after meeting the writer, Ani Isnin, Mm -hmm. and getting to know her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Anais and her, the vividness of the writing in her diaries mm-hmm. and the, the collection of people I met through her, the writers around her, I felt a little bit like a frustrated writer. And a friend suggested, mm-hmm. well, why don't you just make a fabric book and you can write in it? And I did. I typed on the silk, and I stitched mess, secret messages in it, and yeah. I entered the artist book world that way, you know, yeah. through, through fabric yeah. and, and through um, a, a kind of very basic text that sort of would arise while I was stitching. Wow. And again, I mean, the Bay Area in the 70s was such a hotbed of artist book activity going on. So it seems like you were, again, in the right place at the right time. I know. I I was certainly drawn to the openness of the Bay Area and uh, the accessibility of everything. and, uh... And there's also a real generosity of spirit that happens here. You know, artists really are interested in helping each other in sort of furthering the community. Oh, I I agree. There were many little communities, and they were all... Well, I was very involved in Fiberworks. I taught classes at Fiberworks, which was Mm -hmm. a center for textile art in Berkeley. And, I mean, I think it's amazingly fortuitous that I moved here 
uh, when FiberWorks was thriving. And uh, again, uh, a group of people who had an expertise, who uh, made their own world, um, who enlarged their own world and, and the rest of the art world with that expertise. That's what mm -hmm. FiberWorks did. So mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't um, discount any of that as being extremely important to the art world in the Bay Area. So then, how do how do both of how do the practices of mail art and artist books inform each other when you're working in the studio? Do you still do a lot of mail art? Uh, I don't do a lot of mail art, but I definitely respond to things that I get. Yeah. You know, to pieces that come to me. I have a series that I've been sending out sort of carefully because I had these miniature, you know. I'm sure you like this too, Jenny, because I know you have an accoutrements like special envelopes, right? Oh, yeah. So if you if somebody gives you like a dozen little teeny envelopes, you know you're going to save them for something. Great. Just the right moment is going to come along. So That's I right. I happen to have a, a set of these little teeny envelopes, and I have taken like uh, I don't know ten of my photo stamps, and I. I put them in these envelopes and I oh send them to special people. And I think yeah. there's a question on the outside of the envelope and it says, I think it says, what is the question if the answer is art? I, I think that's what it says. And then you open this little tiny envelope and you get all of these stamps. And so you can make up your own narrative from that, you know. Have you, have you received any responses? from those envelopes that you've sent out? Has anyone answered? No, anyone answered no and I have to say, sometimes it's amazing. I'll do the most elaborate thing and think, yeah. wow, I really kind of hate to send this. It's so good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, I never hear back at all. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man, I have to tell you, I, we have, I have talked about this with other guests, um, about the sort of zen that is required in making something that you fall in love with and then letting it go and sending it out into the world, you know? Yes, yes. But it's, it's so much a part of this, you know? <laughs> it, it's true. You, and I know that, you know, actually, you know, I mean, I'm, I've been very busy, I guess you could say, building a career with a resume and all of that yeah. stuff. And uh, mail yeah. art isn't in there, you know, but it's been an activity that has, uh, what been with me all my life and mm. uh, I, I I can't help myself I know that you know a lot of the best things I've done have been sent out and I think that yeah. that that is in there a clue about communication about something from uh, something about truth you know mm. because if you're making something for someone it is true you want you want to connect you, you you want to connect heart to heart, and mm -hmm. that comes through what you're making. That comes through your hands, and that's the way I feel about mailer. That kind of deep communication. Yeah. Do you find that when you are making and sending things like that, you create for your specific recipient? Because this is something I've talked with people about before as well, where you sort of, 
you sort of create for the audience that you know you're sending to. And, you know, if you're sending something to a person that you've met who you really admire, another artist, another male artist, you know, you really are going to pour a lot of love and energy into that piece. But, you know, if you're sending to someone who you admire but maybe you've never met, you know, you'll create something a little different. I mean, do you feel like you you play to the audience that you know you have? Well, you know you I'm have. sure. Uh, I'm sure. Um, but basically, I know when I'm making something for someone, there is a real intention there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it is as true as anything I can make uh, yeah. without any question. And, yeah. and I've made things for friends, and I know I think some of that is probably uh, the best art I've I've made. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't feel so much of a difference. I mean, I think sometimes you know you'll be. I I have a, f- a couple of long-term correspondents, and um, one of them is from this wonderful woman who took a workshop from me at, at Penland. Um, school in like 1989 and she's been writing Mm -hmm. to me and taking my classes over the years and she does the best mail art and um, Mm -hmm. I always answer her mail art and Mm -hmm. I just love her so much for her um, oh she just she's just fantastic I mean the work is really messy and oh it's like straight out of her studio. You can just see the paint all over it, the, oh, yeah. um, that she tore a piece off and stuck this on. And she just makes me want to do the same thing. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the act of creation. Yeah. It's thrilling. Yeah. You know? It's so motivational, super inspiring. That's what I mean. You Once know? you, you know, yeah. if I get back into answering what she sent me, the next thing you know, I'm making the painting. so I I just love her for that and I love the process and when I'm making a book it is again a kind of like um, communication also because I'm I'm not a traditional I I don't get involved in too many traditional uh, aspects of it it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of messy and kind of put together you know a way that I've cobbled cobbled up yeah are you working on any new artist book projects? Uh, well, I I finished in the pandemic. I finished a, a a sketchbook for that sketchbook project at the Brooklyn Library. You know oh, that, yeah. that big project. Yeah and, yeah, and I did one on the pandemic, and now I think I'm um, I have to do one on the in, insurgent, the recent insurgency, and yeah. um, uh, that's I think I need to do that and. And I've got more paintings with words in them coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I expect to be doing this winter is I'll be painting in yeah. my studio. I mean, what is more centering than being in the studio and being able to do your work? Yeah. Uh, so I think I, I can ride out the rest of it. Um, yeah. You know, and I just quickly, I want to ask you, before we started recording, you had mentioned that you were also working on two publications for the Bay Area Women's Legacy Project? Yes. The, um, there's a group of, that started off as 30 artists. I think we're all in the East Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Edith Hillinger is the artist who started it, being concerned mm-hmm. about legacy. We're all older artists. And she started the Bay Area Women Artists Legacy Project. So the acronym is B-A-W-A-L-P, Baywalp.org is the website. And um, we, we're all concerned, you know, as older artists, what's going to happen to our work. And so this group formed uh, for that idea to kind of help us with our um, legacy, how you're going to archive mm-hmm. it, where it's going to go, that kind of thing. Yeah. And we have already published uh, one book, a catalog, which one could order online through the website. And we've just, we're just finishing one on our art in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do one on our art in the 80s and our art in the 90s. And um, yeah. various, we've hired various uh, curators to write the introductory essays. Mm-hmm. So as women artists, it's, it's a, um, a matter of writing ourselves into our history because we're often left out. And I think that might be the organizing principle behind this group. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm excited that you mentioned that project to me. And I'll definitely be sure to include it in the show notes so that people can find out more information. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm... um, um, I don't know if I mean... I still get occasional uh, artists... uh, male but mm-hmm. i don't th- feel like i'm still in like an international network like i used to be and yeah. uh, do people still publish um male art shows are there is there a place where you can go to get a list of male artists shows that you could enter yeah i mean it's so interesting because so much of that has moved online now and a lot of it you can find on Facebook, you know, if you subscribe to specific male art groups. Yeah, but also if you, um, you know, if you do a Google search, male art, call for entries, there are some, um, like, independent off of, you know, away from Facebook uh, message boards where, you know, things are listed. So. Oh, well, that's good um, to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what I've found is that documentation has also moved mostly online and that makes me really sad (laughs) and what do you mean what do you mean by that well you know like instead of getting a a physical copy of a of a mailing list you know like a zine or something you'll or even work artwork in return it's it's all just posted online on someone's blog or something yeah so I know. I mean, I'm really glad that I have saved some of the mail art that has come to me. And I yeah. have, and the catalogs. Yeah. I have those catalogs yeah. of, yeah. of yeah. mail art shows from the mm. 80s. And yeah. I mean, it was a lot yeah. of work to do, as you know, mm-hmm. you know to, mm-hmm. to publish everybody's uh, name and address and, yeah. and send it all back out. But that's yeah. how we sustain the list, I guess. Well, yeah, and I feel like my philosophy around it is that if someone has taken the time to specially create something for a show or a project that I've put together, the least I can do 
is send them something back in return, you know? Like, it's a really different feeling to receive something in the mail as a thank you for participating in a show than just seeing a photo of your work online. Yes. So. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, <laughs> I have opinions. I'm an Aries. I have opinions. opinions. Of course. And, you, <laughs> and we should. <laughs> <laughs> So we're we're coming up on an hour here, and um, you know, of course, it has flown by. But um, is there? How can folks connect with you or see your work online? Well, as you know, I always love um, <laughs> to have a reason to respond to somebody. <laughs> so, of course, I have a website. Um, okay, uh, sascolby.com, and I have an Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Um, you can find me there. And, um, you know, it, actually you remind me that I think in the early 80s, a magazine named called Fiberworks published an article about me. And at the end of the article, I, I offered to send everybody a piece of mail art if they wrote to me. So, and you know, I got, I got 250 requests. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> But wasn't that great? You know, so I, I got to uh, send stuff out to 250 people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's that's pretty extraordinary. It's, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> I'm very you... interested in, you know, what people are are interested in nowadays, you know, yeah. and how, I don't know, how they live their life. How, mm-hmm. how people connect. I think um, mail art is one of those ways. And when I think back to Judith Hofberg publishing the Umbrella magazine and mm-hmm. how much of a, a, ne- a nexus that was yeah. for uh, the mail art world and the artist book world, uh, yeah. uh, that there always seems to be a need for, for some of that, you know? Yeah. And I think your podcasts can work the same way. I hope so. I mean, I just, we, you know, when I was in, in college, I just remember, I mean, I remember my book arts instructor at the time handing me an entire stack of Judith's Umbrella magazines and saying, I really think you would like to have these. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't. I had no idea at the time, but reading them, it was like this whole new world just opened up. Right. Opened up. I mean, I, I knew about Millard. I was already doing Millard, but, you know, to have somebody writing about it and talking about it and treating it like this legit thing was just like, yeah. wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She, she had the vision. She had the vision yeah. to yeah. do that. And uh, yeah. I had, I saved all of her issues and I, a lot mm-hmm. of them, uh, I think, are in the Mills College Library, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I didn't throw any of them away. I made sure they went no. to mm-hmm. some place as a resource, yeah. because yeah. that kind of ephemera just dissolves, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's such a crucial snapshot of what was going on at any given moment in the book arts or the mail art world. Or even the art world. I mean, she wrote about just general goings on in the art world, too. Incredible. Well, Saz, this has truly been a pleasure. 
A hundred percent. Thank you so, so, so much for taking the time to, you know, share your stories and talk with me today. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure for me, Jenny, and I admire the work you're doing very oh, much. Thank you. I am a huge fan of your work, and I admire you, too. I'm so glad that we were able to sit down and talk. <laughs> yes, me, too. Well, one day yeah. we'll do it in person. Ugh, I can hardly <laughs> wait until that day. <laughs> Senders Receive is recorded, edited, and hosted by Jenny Hinchcliffe with many, many thanks to the contributors, artists, and interview subjects of Senders Receive. Our intro-outro music is by Kitsa and used as per the artist's Creative Commons terms. Additional info can be found in the show notes. If you're a male artist or postal modern interested in being interviewed for Senders Receive, I invite you to send an email to sendersreceivepodcast at gmail.com. Keep current on new episodes at our Instagram account, at Senders Receive Podcast. That's all for now, and thanks for listening.